Hey everybody, my name is Michael Rosso and welcome to the Film Photography Podcast. This is a special cinema show. Cinema show. Come on, Owen. When is it when is it not a cinema show? Cinema show. Well, this is a bonus episode where we're gonna be talking about shooting movies on film cameras, which is moving pitches. Which is the which was my first love, and continue. my first love. Ooh. My name is Michael Rosso, and joining me is Mr. John Fideli. Hi, and Mr. Owen McCafferty. It's happening. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. Today we're going to be talking specifically, focusing in on a very big home movie format it is the biggest the biggest and that is super eight super it's huge it is huge so small but so big it and today we're going to be talking about how to properly expose film in your super eight camera but before we get started uh we are going to um Go over a few a few letters. Of course, our new cinema show, cinema show. is uh, cinema <laughs> show. Did you give part... Did you give him caffeine or coffee? He always says it twice. I, I gave him decaf, but those uh, those Oreo lattes did have sugar in them. Oh, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thanks to everyone out there watching and listening. I really appreciate the comments that we have been getting on the YouTube. Um, and, of course, our emails, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Cinema show. And uh, first, John, I'm going to give John our, our YouTube comments from our last cinema show that we did. Okay. Right on. All right. Film photography is such an excellent adventure. Who's that from? Christaire Almery must be someone uh, from like Europe. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute of the of the supply and demand of regular eight. Okay, this is good. This is for you, Mike. Silence of the Hill says the sun ain't gonna shine anymore. <laughs> By the right Walker there. Brothers is one of my all time favorite records. Right there, I there switched up some of the records. Like down here, I have the Autumn Defense. Some ELP. Uh, these are all LPs, of course. ELP. And, Come on. No, ELP. Oh, ELPs over here. <laughs> he doesn't yep. know. These are all records, you jerk. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Um, 35 millimeter film roll said the crab scene at the end is hilarious. Keep it up, guys. Which I, one was that? It was. I shot it at the crab fest. You go in to reach for the crab, <laughs> and you did the bit. <laughs> Where it was biting my finger. Yeah, I mean, it never gets old. It doesn't. It's never. classic. What a great yeah. shot. <laughs> Cecil DeVille says, love the podcast. Keep shooting and discussing regular 8mm. Uh, watch L says you always want to put the ND filter on the lens and not on camera meter otherwise it will overexpose the film more alright hold that thought hold huh? it hold it a second uh, he's right but it could be done I think it could be done both ways but he's absolutely right so <laughs> so we were talking last time about 
if you have one of those automatic cameras that's the big selenium meter right you take if you want it your nd do you take your nd filter do you put it over the the selenium meter or do you put it over your lens and i said to owen just this week i said oh i guess you can just put it on your lens because the nd filter will be at max right of what it can shut down right regarding right. Oh, and then the nd filter over your lens will compensate because it's cutting the amount of light coming in but if you put that nd filter over your selenium meter it'll kind of do the same thing yeah it? it it really comes down to what kind of meter you have okay and and how your meter is you know a lot of especially super 8 cameras almost all of them not all of them uh meter through the <laughs> through the lens right so you need to put it over the lens anyway okay great thanks we're back john oh, never held the thought wow. so long in my life <laughs> who's next oh um butler octu <clears throat> said omg i was never into podcasts but this is amazing wow amazing. whoa Okay. Amazing. Uh, Jeff DVRX says, this was great. I'm wondering if you know some site with a good list of 8mm <clears throat> cameras. I've run into some that are not as common. And I'm always curious about them, especially after failing to find any data about them online. Brands like DeJure. 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 D-E-J-U-R. Yeah, DeJure. DeJure. Seem to almost entirely be missing from the internet, or I just suck at Googling stuff. Hold that thought. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that. Owen and I were talking about that. The, re the resource, it's sort of like for still cameras, still film cameras, you have the Mike Butkus camera manual site where Mike has spent years of his life putting together this great site. And he has a few movie camera manuals, but not much. There's no site for movie cameras where you could just resource it and get a manual for free. And we're going to talk about that later because when we're talking about Super 8 film and film notches and all stuff, you, what you want is your camera manual. Right. And they're hard to get. Sometimes you have to buy a whole second camera just to get that damn beautiful manual. manual. Yep. So, thanks, John. Okay. <laughs> uh, Owen Skeen says... Are these exposure meter cells still good after all these years? Are the exposure meter cells still good after all these years? Depends, right? It does depends. depend. Depends on if it's a selenium cell. That's the, the kind of meter that doesn't require a battery to use. Mm -hmm. uh, those tend to go out a lot quicker. Um, and then the CDS cells, which are the ones where you, you put a, a separate battery in your, in your um, uh, camera to power. Usually those are regular 8, not super 8. Um, those tend to, to be to last a lot longer, so it depends. But either way, you should always test it against a reliable handheld meter. I have found I have found that when I buy a, a camera with a selenium meter, uh, the Olympus Trip comes to mind in still cameras. Mm -hmm. If you buy one that's been stowed in its black in its case in the dark mm -hmm. for years and years, they tend to work fine. But if you have the camera. That was just sitting on a shelf in the garage, right. and every day the sunlight's coming in. That it tends to. So that's my experience. The exposure to light is what degrades it. Well, it's a kills. it's a selenium meter, and if it's continually exposed to light, it's going to put it out. I mean, we're talking 20, 30, 40, right. 50 years. So, yeah. okay. What's next, John? 
Let's see. Lyndon B. says, so true about magic. Uh, David Fleming says, do you feel like repairing underexposed film through digital means is redundant? From Devin Fleming. I don't know about redundant. Um, I think I answered that question. Did you? What is the question again? I think you did too. I think it's on Do you YouTube. feel like repairing underexposed film through digital means is redundant? Well, it gets into a whole topic because, because I mean, here's the thing: if you if you if you underexpose or overexpose your film, and you want to get it corrected, back in the glorious days, you would do that in the lab, right? By, the original Photoshop. Yeah, the original Photoshop. You know, uh, but these days, because Hollywood films are shot on film and then scanned, edited digitally, and then going back to film, what is available, and I've looked into. But sadly, it's it's very very costly. Is you scan your either your your positive or your negative that is under or overexposed. Mm-hmm. You make your corrections digitally, and then print it back from a workload work uh, workflow perspective. You can print that back to film. It's just costly. Yeah. So you know, instead, just stay with your digital file and make a copy of that so so you have it. I mean, this is not going to help folks who are keen on projection. Right. So, but if you have the money, because a few customers that shoot 16, Owen, here mm-hmm. at the Film Photography Project, we have our whole uh, develop scan division, which is going swimmingly. I'm I'm so thrilled. But a customer said, hey, if I'm shooting something like Kodak Vision 3, negative can i get a print for projection mm. now that is easy right. because it's just making a work print and usually for just projection in your backyard or at home mm-hmm. that's going to be just fine but if you're getting into color correction and whatnot and you're doing it digitally oof your digital file has to be made to first a negative then a positive john Right. It's it's so it's 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 easily so done, but it just gets so really expensive. Yeah. Please continue, John. Okay. These are great comments, by the way, aren't they all? They are. They're fantastic. Alvis Venza says so. Mr. Rasso, who says you, this? Alvis Venza. So, Mr. Rasso, are you saying that in overexposed black and white film, it's a FOMA Pan 100? If scan could be partially saved, that's a new hope for me. Uh, yes, can be. It depends how how overexposed it is. Yeah, just like still film, you know, reversal film or like slide film, yes. you know, the the range is just not there, uh, like it is a negative film to really manipulate. I mean, he, here's once again, here's the thing, and I'll be very brief. It's not what you have hardware. It is the hardware is important, but what's more important is the person running the hardware. So, you know, here at FPP, we have the the awesome laser graphics scan station. We're using the full-blown DaVinci Resolve for color correction. But it's just hardware. What we have is Dave. Right. And and Dave's 25-plus year experience. I've seen things Dave does that no one else would do because they just don't have the experience. It's, he, it's, he is an artist, for sure. Definitely. It's an art, and I think, I think that folks on the web, I think they throw around a lot of hardware. 
right. a lot of noise about hardware. And hardware is important, but knowing how to use the hardware is so much more important. Uh, does anyone know if I can get an 8mm color film in the UK? Thanks. Analog Wonderland. Got to have it. Got to go there. Support them. They're fantastic. Ralph Hoskins says, I'm shooting my first Super 8. I have a Sankey, Sankeyo ES25XL. You know what that is? It's a movie, Super 8 movie camera. Uh, with Kodak 100D reversal in it and on auto exposure, it's going way into the overexposed zone on the meter in the viewfinder when outside in the sun, and it stays dead center inside. Is dead center where it needs to be? Should I lock the exposure control in dead center? which is between 4 and 5.6. I don't know, and I don't want to screw this up. The film is so expensive, and I want my daughter's graduation to be exposed properly. I bought two more rolls just for that. Anyways, please help. LOL. <laughs> I think He's this laughing a... out loud, but he's really crying. Oh, yeah, we, right. dis we, we discussed this, right? We did. Okay. I, think I, I think I replied to, to, to him directly. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the main, my main points uh, in my reply were, number one, if you're shooting a really important event you've never used the camera you've never used the film mm, probably a good idea good. to shoot a test roll um because you know once you miss it that's it uh so that's like i would say point number one point number two is the meterings that he is giving based on the speed of the film and the shutter speed of the camera sound right um those, those sound exposed the way i would expect them to be exposed um, but if he's not sure, he should use a separate meter to test to make sure that those meterings are correct. Ah, yeah, test the meter. And if that, if he still feels like it's overexposed or if the meter is wrong, definitely look into an ND filter. And that way he can, he can take that 100 ASA film down to several different uh, speeds depending on what kind of ND filter he puts on his lens. The thing is, cameras are all vintage. You don't know the history. Have they been mm -hmm. dropped? Have right. they been kept in a in, in a a wrong temperature setting? So some of the gumminess in the metering has gone bad. And I know it. Believe me, folks. I know it. It pains you to do, as it does me as well. But if you're going to shoot Uncle Louie's 95th birthday party, run a test roll first, right. and then understand it may not work. So give yourself plenty of time to that big day. If you shot. 200T Vision 3 negative, instead of the 100D color positive, the Vision 3 film is so good, the latitude is so wide, that if your camera messed up, give or take, it can be corrected much easier. Eugene Batiste, motion picture film doesn't have an ASA or an ISO in any sense a, a link. Oh, Eugene. You're talking... You're talking... Eugene doesn't know that he's talking to the EI brothers. Right. <laughs> he doesn't know. And I'm not even kidding. Back when no. we were in college, we were so intense on making movies. We were, People would hate us because we would check out the gear. And I was a bit of a teacher's pet. <laughs> so I had the gear longer than anyone. People were in line for that Aeroflex SR. Oh, Ross got it. Yeah, they would just get the ball... <laughs> Again. As a matter of fact, because I took summer workshops, the, the Susan Tarbox, the professor, no one could check out the Ari unless you took a summer workshop. So when wow. I walked in the room, no joke, Eugene, people were like, EI Brothers, EI. 
E-I, E-I, E-I. That's why my first company was called E-I Brothers Production Company. It was just a... So, so, um, so buttons. ISO, ASA, we always talk about it, but Owen and I never say the word EI, which is actually on the Kodak package. Correct. I, and I believe that was, I want to say it was Asia or, or Europe. That, no, you, or USA. It was USA that, that did yeah. that? Okay. Because I know Expo- there's, or my thing of DIN. Oh, yeah. No, that was European. Yeah. Uh, EI exposure index. Uh, call it ISO. It, it, I'm guessing it's a little different then, but we're just trying to get through our day here. Right. <laughs> Come on, man. Thanks for the comment, though. Appreciate it. This is from a regular film photography podcast listener and contributor and always sends us typewritten. <laughs> and this is from our good friend Steve-O, Steve-O. Who, who now has uh, branched off into shooting... Movie film. He says, Greetings, FPP gang. I am pleased to have finished my first roll of double eight. I found a Kodak Brownie Fun Saver double eight camera at an estate sale and thought, why not? Why not? Yeah. While in Los Angeles over the Labor Day weekend, I popped into Freestyle and, Freestyle. Bought, a, and bought a roll of Foma Pen. Foma Pen. I, I, fin- <laughs> <laughs> I finished the roll. On Donner Summit on Friday. I guess that's the place. Don't, Don't go up to Donner Summit. <laughs> that was the B-side. Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed that it turns out all good. I am truly grateful for all you guys do. You all feel like family. Oh, Steve. Oh. Keep the shoes coming. Is it possible to get the tin and Foma Pan box back? Yes, of course. Really? So after reprocessing, he's like, oh. can I get my tin? Because the film comes in a little tin. Yeah, why not? Nice and tin. Nice and tin. <laughs> and a little, on a little reel. So if, if, if people ask, absolutely. So terrific. Uh, let's see if I have any other, any other questions here. Uh, this is from Michael Peterson. Michael Peterson's from... Um, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right where he's from, but Owen will help us. Uh, Kiel, Germany? K-I-E-L? Yeah, that's right. Kiel. Oh, Kiel, Germany. He says, thank you for all your enthusiasm for everything photography. I recently enjoyed the Canon Scoopic and all the double eight related clips. So, terrific. Terrific. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about selling my, my Canon Scoopic. You could just gift it to me for Christmas. <laughs> there you Good. go, Mike. There is a 50D negative Super 8 in my fridge. As a Super 8 shooter since I was 13, it's amazing to discover double eight film. Um, so great. Well-crafted cameras, small Bolex, Movicon, Canonette, Ricomite. Canonette. Oh, yep, man after all my nice. heart. It's fantastic that you manage to put new films on the market, but it would be great if the availability would be there too. I agree. Yeah, who doesn't? I I missed 50D negative, meaning he missed like it came in and it sold out, and now the 100D Ektachrome is sold out. Did I miss something? Um, he needs to get on the newsletter. 
Right? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm certainly told Michael to get on the newsletter. Uh, so it was mentioned before as well. It's a supply and demand. The demand is much higher than anticipated. So we're trying desperately to ramp up the supply, and we have a, we have a few irons in the fire to try to 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 you know get more millimeters. Bottom out there. line, when are you going to restock? Oh well, the restock's going to be spotty for the next few months at least. It's just going to come in little batches. Yes, is that, is that what you mean? Okay. Yeah, it comes in like you know. And also, right now, it's all done. It's all hand. It's all art, artesian right now. Artisanal, <laughs> organic, far, film to table. Yeah, literally, it's all it's all handmade stuff. So until we, you know, fire up the factory, uh, it's going to be, um, you know, slim pickings. Yep, as they say. Steve uh, O. Steve O. Also sent a, an untyped letter, a email about the Minolta sixteen, which. Minolta 16, a 16 millimeter film for still cameras. And he said, The spy camera, yeah. We're also putting out the Minolta 16 cartridge and making the film available. Uh, he has two Minolta 16s and he wants to know is there a bright future for 126 film, cartridge oh. film? It lives in our dreams and our hearts, but who knows? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Fortunately, Film Farania is, I think, our last hope. So, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, folks out there, thank you. Please do leave comments for us. You also could send us an email, uh, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Uh. You could also hand type a letter, P.O. Box 264, Fairlawn, New Jersey, 07410. And yes, this is the Fairlawn, New Jersey, that used to have the ultra-large... <laughs> Kodalux, Kodak Kodalux developing plant on Route 208, which is walking distance from where we are right now. And both John Fidelli and I used to drive our buggies. You know, this was back in the day where you, it was a, a, an effort to start your car. We take it so for granted, right, John? Do you remember? Yeah. Getting the hand no, crank what are you out. About? <laughs> oh, come on. Susan, maybe in, in cold weather. Cold we weather. Too that... afford good cars. Battery <laughs> issues. And we'd have to putter up to Route 208 to drop our our Kodachrome Super 8 mm-hmm. off. The good old did, days. Did you ever? Did you ever, ba- ever ever had a bad starter? You had to go underneath the car and like bang on it with a hammer. Yeah, you had to find yeah. that sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. The worst. Yep, had them all. So you can send us a, a handwritten letter, or you like, or anything you like in the mail. Uh, <laughs> Any, so, anything, anything you yeah. like, they can send you. Okay. <laughs> yes. Except dead animals. Right. <laughs> Cash doesn't matter. No. We'll uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, some uh, movie film, Super Eight. <laughs> Hey, we're back. <coughs> Hold on. <coughs> <laughs> okay, it's good. Hey, we're back. We are. 
Where'd we go? <laughs> so we re- we've received a few emails over the last few weeks, uh, and all really touch upon the same subject, which is to properly how to properly expose film in your Super 8 camera. Super 8. And for well over a year, I've been receiving re- emails asking me questions about, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Rasa, I, I just I just bought some 500T. <laughs> But I, I, you know, people even who have their camera manuals saying, oh, I see that my camera only goes up to 160 ISO, so can I use 500T in it? My answers are very unscientific. And I would like to put a disclaimer out there for folks listening. We're not claiming to be experts here. We are not claiming to be the... Uh, official encyclopedia of knowledge regarding the subject we're talking about. But what we are are film shooters mm-hmm. and we're actively constantly shooting Super 8 film. And I've, I personally have found a lot of like G- DIY workarounds or just to be aware of what I'm shooting to know what will work in the camera. So right. like anything else, experience will make a huge difference to your cinematography. But but generally speaking, the topic is how to expose. And Owen and I had a conversation, and Owen's going to chat a little bit about the fact that uh, Super 8 cartridges are notched, that that notch, when you put it in your camera, and I'll have some illustrations for you folks, actually changes the setting in your camera, how some cameras are so much more sophisticated <laughs> John, some of these cameras are so sophisticated. How sophisticated are they? They can take ISOs, this, that, the other thing, but then you have the unsophisticated cameras like my Bell and Howell. T20. Yeah, what is this called? This is like sounds like a Terminator. It does. This is the T T20 XL. This is like a consumer mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel, unloved, point and shoot Super 8 camera that I like because I call it grab and go, but it has limitations. So where do we, how do we start this, Owen? Well, I think it really starts with what, um, how the camera meters the film and how it detects what speed it is and why the film is notched. Um, So Super 8 cartridges, I mean, I guess the best, the best place to start is at the beginning. (laughs) And the beginning is... Uh, the inst- I mean, what the 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 whole point of Super 8 was, and that was to make a film format that was easy to use, easier than regular 8, which you have spools that you have to spool the camera, which is not that hard, but for the average consumer is actually pretty difficult. You know, mom and dad, they, they can't figure it out. They don't know. It, you know, the camera gets dropped, the film gets dropped, whatever. So Kodak comes out with the cartridge system that just plops right into the camera, and the camera does the rest. It's like it's like the old brownie slogan. You press the button and we'll do the rest. So the can the cartridge that is filled with film needs to tell the camera, "Hey, I'm this speed, so you need to adjust your meter for the correct speed." <clears throat> so in order to do that, Kodak notched the the cartridges. And if you look here, you can see one of the notches. Oh. So there's a notch there. There is a notch here. I'll explain what that notch is. And then there, this one doesn't have it, but some cartridges do have a notch all the way at the uh-huh. bottom. And all those notches tell the camera to do different things, depending on what kind of film it is. 
Now, older cameras, the very first Super 8 camera that Kodak launched, the M2, fully manual. There could be any kind of notches on your film, doesn't matter. The camera is just a manual camera. You adjust the exposure based on the lighting. The, the camera doesn't have any capabilities. But as time went on in the late 60s and in through the 1980s, um, before uh, Super 8 died, uh, all cameras had the ability to, to uh, actually read the, the notches on the film and then uh, expose correctly. So the question I think that most people ask is, how do I know that my camera can read the notches that are on my cartridge? How do I know my camera is reading the right film? Because just like you said, Mike, a lot of people are reading their manuals and they're saying, wait a minute, my camera says it can, it can read 40 ASA and 160, but you just sold me a cartridge that's 500 ASA or 200 ASA or whatever it is. And the question is, how do I know that my camera can do that? Like we were discussing earlier, the best, the best thing you can do is look at the manual. And that's going to tell you what kind of cartridges your camera can take. If you don't have the manual for whatever reason, there's a couple things you can do to figure out what kind of film cartridges your camera can automatically expose. And that is going to require you to open the camera and also going to require you to download a really cool chart, which is free. It's a PDF. It was created by uh, a guy in Germany named Fliedemann Voxmuth. And we'll, I assume Mike is going to put a nice handy-dandy link on the video where you can download this PDF for free. And you cut out two different pieces of paper. Whoa. Look at that. Very high tech. So this this one is going to tell you. Ooh, look at that. Yeah, you like that? <clears throat> That's going to. What gonna, the notches are all about. Exactly. That's going to let you figure out... It's a notch decoder. <laughs> yeah. You can't get these in a Cracker Jack box. Um, that's going to that's gonna tell you... Oh, my God. ...what notch your film is at. Because, like, for example, I have this really bizarre roll of ectochrome that I didn't have a box for, and I didn't know what speed it was, and so I could use this ruler to figure it out. Whoa. So, you have that. That's going to tell you first what, how your film is notched. The next thing is this other handy-dandy ruler... And this one is going to help you measure inside of your movie camera the pins, which are basically the, the things that read the notch on your camera. They're pins. Sometimes it's like a little uh, step ladder that rests there. And then those pins tell the camera, hey, you've got a 100 ASA film uh, loaded into you. And the way you do that, yeah, let's see some pins. Show us your pins, Mike. Uh, the pins are right. Whoa. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> pins are. Oh boy! Can I tilt oh, it backwards man. so it doesn't fall forwards. There Which way? Go. Oh, this way. Stupid. Dong. Oh, look at that! Look at that! P the pins here. Right. Those most, are some most... pins. Um. Yeah. And sometimes, like on on my Bell and Howell here, you've got like it looks like a little step ladder. And that moves in and out, and those rest in the notch. So, anyway, the point is, you take your little handy-dandy printout, you cut it out, and then you put it inside your camera. You line it up with the register pin, which is that stationary pin in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then that lines up with a bunch of different letters on this cutout. And those letters reference another chart that is also included in the same PDF. 
I mean, this is for people who really want to know. They really want to know. They got to know. <laughs> yeah, I think that you know the, the main question that most people need to answer is whether or not their camera is manual or automatic. Because obviously, if it's not automatic, you got to do all that stuff yourself. If well, it, let me ask you a question. Ask me a question, Mike. How many, because most of the Super 8 cameras that I am aware of, mm -hmm. automatic. I mean, how many Super 8 cameras have, do, do you know of a Super 8 camera that has like a lens with f-stops on it? Yeah, so some of the early Kodaks did. The M2, I believe there was an M12. Don't quote me on the number. Um, those were some of the early cameras. Those were fully manual. Um, we had a letter from a question, uh, a question somebody submitted uh, not too long ago asking about, uh, let's see, what's the name of the camera? I want to say it was, I don't have the letter in front of me, but it was like an Italian sounding name. I, I don't know, Bacini, Bacini, Kodak. something like that. <laughs> Kodaka. Um, so rare, but they do exist. Right. But most of the cameras you're going to find out there in the wild that you're shooting with are automatic. But it is important to know what your camera is set to when you insert that cartridge. Because if your camera, let's say, only exposes ASA 40 and ASA 160, guess what? When you put that 500T in there, you, you're, you might end up with a film that's really overexposed. Oh, yeah. Overexposed so much that you may not be able to correct it in the scan. You might, depending on what you're shooting. But if you're in broad daylight and your yep. camera is shooting at 40 ASA with a 500 ASA film, oh my gosh. Well, I, I took my T20XL mm -hmm. cheapo Bell & Howell, and, I mean, here's the thing, folks. Uh, what Owen just said, like, if, if I was taking this camera, which only goes up to 160 ISO, right. in to the beach with 500T, not good. But right. I knew... I was shooting in a bookstore that I knew would have a decent available light with some some daylight coming in. It was amply lit, but I would call it dim lighting. Sure. You can kind of trick the system. So here's sure. a here's a for lack of a better word, a shitty camera that which I love by the way. It's great a camera. shitty camera that that, you know, is not designed for 500T, but if your situation is has enough ambient light your camera, it, the film is going to compensate for the fact that the camera can't. Exactly. And I think, you know, again, most consumer cameras, that camera, a lot of them, especially by the 1970s, were, were either shooting 40 ASA or 160. And that, that still leaves you like three or four different film stocks you can, you can throw in there right now and shoot and you'll be fine. You can throw in 50D. Your camera's probably going to meter it at 40. That's fine. I mean, we're talking about pennies here in terms of, you know, the, the difference between 40 and 50 ASA. Same thing with, like, if you're shooting 100D, the new Ektachrome, your camera's probably metering it at 160. It's probably going to be fine. We're not talking about a huge difference. Same thing with Tri-X. Tri-X is technically a 200 ASA film. It looks great at 160. So part of it is just trusting your camera throwing in a test roll and just seeing what happens, my guess is you're going to be super happy with the results. It's yep. when you get into higher ASAs like 500. And there were some cameras that did expose a huge range of films automatically. This Bell & Howell is a good example. This is the 471, which is the camera I shot my very first roll on. 
It's a brick. It is a brick, but it's great. You can shoot all the way up to 400 ASA. Um, so a, a roll of 500 T will work great. Um, all the way down yep. to 10 ASA. And we have established that the 500 T cartridge is notched for 400 ISO ASA. I, I, do, I don't know for sure because I've never shot a roll of 500 T, nor do I have one. Uh, my guess is it's either at 400 or maybe there is a notch setting for 500. Um, my guess is it's somewhere between 320 and, and 400, if I had to guess. Right. But you right. could, you know, print out your handy-dandy ruler and find out. So, folks, there's a lot of information on this gentleman's website. Yes, he, he is very well known in the Super 8 and movie film communities on Facebook. Uh, again, um, and his, his, his uh, website is peaceman.de. Uh, and his name is Fliedemann Voxmuth, and he's he's a great guy. I've I've corresponded with him a few times. He really knows his stuff. He knows a lot about movie film processing, um, and that Super 8 Notch ruler is really cool. I'm amazed by the conversation because I was thinking you got me to get that 500T. Yes. I just threw it in there, and I didn't even think about it. You didn't think about anything? I wasn't aware I had to think about oh, it. Oh, but you knew it was 500T, and yeah. you knew. You were like, I'm going to shoot this at the boardwalk at night. You weren't going to go to yeah. the beach. And you said, ah, oh, just put it on, you know, this setting. No, I I said just put it in. You said put it shoot. in and go. Yeah. Right. I didn't it, think about it because I trust you. Oh, and John. Well, not everybody has a Mike Rasso to. John, I gave, I gave John one of my cameras. I had two. Minolta cameras, which I love, the 601 XL mm-hmm. and the 401. It's just a great camera. And yeah. that's the thing, too. A lot of folks want to know what cameras. I see so many people shooting with the classic, beautiful Canon cameras. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always know if there's a, a really nice movie camera on eBay and it's gone like the next day. I'm like, Mike. Well, the thing <laughs> is, once you look at it, look through the lens of a bunch of Super 8 cameras, I notice that there's discrepancies of ones I really like, especially with focusing. Does right. it have split focusing? Is it mm-hmm. easy to focus? Because, I mean, let's face it, fo- focus is important. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's why I have been using the cheaper point shoots, because I don't need to worry about focus. Right. Same. And they so have we, diopters on them to set? Uh, y- Yes, this one does. This is the Bell and Howell. And then there's also... Which is not popular at all. <laughs> the, Ugly for family. The oddball ag for family. I know it. It gets a bad rap because it's not attractive. But uh, this the camera, the ag for family, has a shoe on top. Cult shoe. But the shoe was designed for their proprietary light, but it just pops off and becomes a cold shoe. So I use this camera. Leslie Lazenby uses this camera. Paige Davis uses this camera because you could just pop a light panel on top. Right. And you're ready to rock and roll inside with a little adjustable light panel. To me, this is a a dream Super 8 camera. By the way, if you're a super collector, I don't have all the gear. It came with like one of those... Viewers, a desktop viewer, right? A desktop viewer. Yeah, it came with a, a whole kit. So if, if you quietly... Oh, you don't want the secret to go, get loose. Oh, it, it's just... I, I hate to see film cameras get their prices go up in value. Yeah. 
it's like you should be able to buy a Super 8 camera for anywhere from ten to sixty dollars, sure. but that's not the case with the Canons. The Canons are over a hundred dollars. They've gone through the roof because they're trendy, and everybody wants those beautiful Canons. That's all. That's all I'm saying, folks. That's yeah, just, I, I, you know what I think is is interesting is I see a lot of people who've never shot Super Eight before, and they and they do a little bit of research. They go and see some some nice hip YouTube videos, <laughs> yes. and uh, and they. You know, th- those people are using like big cannons or big um, Bella Bellu. I n- I don't speak Bellu, so. yeah. Bellu, those you know really complicated semi-professional cameras. They've never shot film before. They're spending two or three hundred dollars, and maybe they'll find out they don't even like it. They don't even like shooting movie film, or whatever it is. I mean that that shouldn't be your first camera. Your first camera should be the Agfa family or the Bell and Howell. T20 XL or whatever, or the Bell and How. These cameras are super cheap on eBay, and they are fantastic. I've had this for, I mean, since 2001. So start simple. You, you, yep. don't, you don't need a, a, a $300 Canon Super 8 camera to shoot your first roll of film. And folks, uh, we're. Uh, I mean, the reason we're doing this this podcast and future podcasts about uh, shooting movies on film is because I'm in over my eyeballs. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm over my eyeballs, involved with cinema film now, and we we have the whole setup here, and you know we're offering film developing services, scanning services, and we're in deep. Yep. And when I say that, I mean we're so dedicated. Yeah. We're so excited about it, and that's the thing to have the team here, you know, especially you know the team here in Fairlawn, uh, Dave. He's so dedicated. So a, a piece of Super 8 or Regulate film comes in that gets treated no differently right. than he treated Yoko Ono's elements. By the way, Dave was the colorist for the John Lennon doco that's on Netflix right now. Oh, Please do check it out. Yes, there's so much respect given to every piece of film and you know everything. There's, there's no mill. There's no puppy mill here. Yeah. <laughs> except, except for Actochrome 100 160G. Oh, uh, uh, well, it's a secret. It's a secret right now, Owen. <laughs> right. Talking to Owen like like no one's watching this. But for the longest time, uh, old Actochrome Type G, the the its labs are few and far between that will handle it. Also, Kodachrome processing as black and white. Like, mm, nobody, no labs really are happy about it. If you um, find a lab, and there are ones out there, the weight is excessive. Right. And the cost is prohibitive. Absolutely. Yep. And I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. It's a real pain. They batch it. They, yep. It says it could take up to six months because they have really? to batch a, a bunch of it. Not so, at the FPP. We it's all done by hand. If you send a yeah. roll of, of Kodachrome movie film in or a roll of of one sixty G, right, it gets processed by hand and and is faster than any other service out there. I'm shocked at the amount of Ectochrome type G that we're getting in. John, we shot a roll we shot a roll here at the FPP on one of our Pizza Fridays. Uh-huh. And at the time, I mean, this is only maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. At the time, because I remember when I shot it, I shot it. I sent it to Dwayne's photo in Parsons, Kansas. I'm like, oh, it's Ectochrome. Right. 
yeah. So I sent it. They sent those. I love those folks over there. They sent it back. Sorry, can't do this. So then mm. I did research, and I'm like, uh oh, it's got and a ramjet. Yep, and that's when and that's when that we started dreaded ramjet. Yep. So now you know uh, Owen came up with the idea of like, well, you know, there are f- people's families' memories. Mm-hmm. You know, people find a roll of film somewhere in their home and. And we had it come through here at FPP. It was a graduation. There were a yeah. few roles that came through, and these are just lost memories. We don't encourage people to shoot it today. Uh, hot button. I mean, hot button item. I mean, I, w- I, I did, but I wouldn't again because it's such a challenge. But we do have some FPP listeners who are shooting movie film that I have to tell you do enjoy shooting expired films. And I know there's a niche of people out there, mm-hmm. especially in the Facebook groups, uh, who get a thrill out of shooting, of finding that old Sfema regular eight or old you know an old yeah i think role. black and white um you know expired black and white films are always reliable um so those are always a great idea if you need yeah. to test a camera and you've got you know an old roll of, of plus x which they don't make anymore it's a black and white film you know it holds up better but if you're shooting movie film for the first time and you're like gee i need to test my camera i'm gonna buy this five dollar roll of kodachrome or this five dollar roll of 160 g um, well, you know, you're going to pay 60 plus dollars when it's, when you're all said and done to get it processed and scanned and the results aren't going to be very good. I mean, they're going to be okay, yeah. but they're not going to be very good. So, you know, how do you know that your camera is actually operating the right way? Cause the film isn't the same as it was when it was brand new. The process isn't the same as it's supposed to be. So, uh, if you're, you know, expired black and white movie film, great to test your camera with, but Otherwise, you know, you really should stick to newish stock to test to make sure you're doing the right things and your camera's working properly. I, I hate to get test rolls in where somebody's like, oh, you know, this came with the camera and they just sort of shot it. And then, you know, they're disappointed. Like, oh, my first experience is this yellowy green uh, movie film that's got, you know, remjet specs on it, you know, because sometimes there's, there's just no way to get it off. Um, you know, and then they're like, oh, I'm not shooting movie film anymore. And it's like, damn, you know, it's too bad you didn't shoot, uh, you know, a fresh roll of film. Hey, you would have loved give, it. Give them some of the good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I read recently online, mentioned either in an article, and it's kind of amazing if you think about it. There are more film stocks available now in Super 8 than there were in 1965. That's crazy. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. But that kind of tells you, me, everyone... Uh, listening and watching of how this little niche it's it's bigger than your little average piece. person thinks bigger than vinyl uh i don't know uh, about that yeah, i don't know about that so well but, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com do drop us a line or leave a leave a comment below uh, i think we have it covered for today yeah um <clears throat> if uh we'd love to hear from you if you have topics for future episodes and of course uh, we're going to be doing this more regularly because we have new movie films coming into the FPP. Uh, uh, emulsions that have never been used for movie films. And we're going to be testing those in the coming weeks. Very excited about that. And then, of course, our own results 
for uh, the new double eight Ectachrome. Uh, I haven't shot a roll yet because I, I can't get a hold of a roll. Just like you folks. <laughs> just letting you know, I don't put myself before you. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, John, summer is upon us. And John Fideli is a summer shooter. Only shoot Super 8 and uh, 8mm in the summer. Yep. So hopefully, you know. I got to dust that stuff off. Get yeah. ready to go. Hopefully all of our, here in the U.S., hopefully all of our states will be open. <laughs> and John, you will be able to go somewhere with your family. I hope so. Look, the sky, really, the sky is the limit. It's all a matter of support, of um, uh, shooters getting behind things. Uh, but I think I'm very, I feel very optimistic about a lot of things because just a year ago, all of these double eight options were, were you know, almost non-existent. And don't get me wrong, I never take credit for saying like, oh my God, you know, we, FPP, brought back double eight. Because as you know, pockets have been... Right. Pockets? Pockets. There have been pockets? There have been there have been little pockets pockets of pockets pockets caliente pockets there have been little pockets 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 on everything ties with pockets socks with pockets underwears with pockets you put under pockets on underwears it just goes to show you you'll make millions your pockets see look you take this tie you put a pocket millions you know what I'm saying? Great idea, sir. <laughs> thought of that before. I've been needing a pocket there. <laughs> I can't touch your ass anymore. There have been little pockets. Pockets! <laughs> of people bringing back film over the years. Right. But the thing is, you know, they, they have been, they have remained niche. And my goals sure. are to put some UPC codes on these packages. So that they can be widely distributed and widely available. Because, folks, I have nothing else to do with my life. <laughs> Sad but true. It's true. You call, you call Mike 9 o'clock on a Saturday. What are you doing? I'm at the FPP rolling film. All this is, is caused by UFOs. 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. Doesn't, Doesn't matter. matter. It's yeah. all about film. You're right. in it to win it, Mike. And next yep. episode, we're doing Laserdisc, right? <laughs> oh, we could discuss it next episode. Uh, I don't know if folks out there listening or using Laserdisc. I, I have to tell you, I am new to Laserdisc. I know nothing about it except for, John, what was that professor in college who used to play Laserdiscs? It was a film was appreciation it, class. Was it Mr. Matola? Yeah. Matola? Not Marola. Motorola? Matola. He was also the screenwriting teacher. I yes. Think. I don't know if the name was correct. Yeah. But he's the, he would, and back then, I mean, we're, we're talking a long time ago, folks. Right. He would be a laser player, and I'd be in awe. I'd be like, what is this? High quality. But he showed, um, I remember seeing Belle du Jour. And it's, when you're young, <laughs> I don't know. You just believe things. People. He talked about like you know, in the fog, the innocence. Mm. Like he really went. Sometimes <laughs> film professors kind of get they get a little, a little hokey. They talk about it like it's pornography. They get way too into get it. way too into it. I'm always like, you know, everyone gets something different out of everything. Just play the movie. Uh, okay. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Um, keep in touch. Leave some comments, and uh, hopefully, we'll do the whole cinema show soon. 
That went well. It is what it is. <laughs> so I says pockets is the way to make money. Pockets is the way. Sir, money please, pockets. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice day. And pockets is what you gotta get. If you can't keep nothing in your pockets, then who needs pockets? I was somebody. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Are you some kind of jackass or something? Girl, we need to fuck up, bum. Hey, give me money. Shut the fuck up. Give me money. All that time to talk to a bum like you. I'm going to go to Big Big Business Inc. and see the president, Wally Van Helsing. I'm Wally Van Helsing. Shut the hell up, you You'll get yours, you jackass.